Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone, to the Reader Copy Podcast, the comic podcast about comic books. It is Wednesday. I was going to say Monday, but we don't do that show right now. Dude, that's right. We're on pause for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is Wednesday, August the 4th. Am that's I... right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I knew. I didn't have to. That wasn't a question. <laughs> Four? My name is Chris. I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. How you doing, brother? You doing good? I am on my third day of my new diet. Oh, new diet. New diet plan. Yeah. What's What's the uh, yeah. game plan here? Okay, so I'm going uh, keto, try to get into ketosis. Nice, okay. And uh, that essentially is like a high-fat, low-carb diet. Yes, it is. It means no no carbs, right? It's like no rice, no bread, and like mm-hmm. all the other no sugars. sugars. Yeah. Real bummer. And uh, yeah, I, I've done a similar diet before, the Atkins diet, which is essentially the same thing. I have no idea I've what done that, that is. I did that uh, a couple of, like a, about a decade ago, and I did it for a month, and it works, like. I lost double digit pounds in a month. Like I think like I lost like seventeen pounds in a month. Jeez. It's it's hard but though, right? It's it's it gets easier. I'd say definitely the hardest is like the first two weeks or something like that. Yeah. Your body just wants is craving all the other stuff bad for you, right? Mm-hmm. But essentially the idea is because the way the body burns for energy is it burns uh carbohydrates first, right? Right. And then if you can't whatever it can't burn off that you don't burn off, it like stores uh in your body as like what is it like glucose or fat or something i don't know the exact terminology or whatever uh-huh. but this this routine is you're flipping it where you're not intaking a lot of carbohydrates so your body is forced to burn the fat the the reserved fat you have on hand is going to burn that first yeah. and that's how your body like makes energy is it's burning the the fat instead of the carbohydrates so then you lose weight the funny thing is you're eating a lot of fat right that's the idea is like a lot of meats and then like oily mm-hmm. things because it's not going to stack up your carbs, um, but well, it's going to go through you fast, right? Yeah, you don't want to eat like the bad fats, like the trans fats, I think. Okay, like yeah. The, just like straight up, I don't know, fat. But like the good fats, like is it like coconut oil and avocado and stuff like that is good for you. And um, yeah, so I'm... I'm eating mainly just meat and vegetables. Okay. Oh, okay. It's good you're eating a lot of vegetables because you're getting that fiber because all that meat, it's going to make you like, you're just going to be a, a tube. You're just going to, the food's going to go through you fast. Like, hey, that if you want to lose weight, that's how you do it. Because <laughs> you don't keep it at all in your body. <laughs> Oh, okay. There's also the uh, some vegetables that you shouldn't eat that are high in starch, so like really? potatoes. Oh yeah. Uh, carrots, like I carrots, mean, really? Yeah, like I think eventually you could eat some carrots, but like I think the the idea is the first month you want to like kickstart your body into it, so like as little as carbs as possible, like almost zero if you can. Definitely, definitely. Like I think I didn't know uh, carrots had so much starch in it. Uh, I think it's like it's more like fiber, but uh, yeah, it, it's still like dense i guess so it takes longer to burn off so they want you to eat the more leafy greens i think that's a good move i'm glad you're doing this you're gonna feel a lot better uh just make sure to like ease off of it like when you're done with it like ease off it so you can keep mm-hmm. the weight off because it's kind of when you go to these extremes and go back your body kind of like goes in flux and you kind of it's hard to, to keep it off and everything i know with these right, like so. extreme diets they're pretty wild mm-hmm. and like your body goes through a lot have you heard of i think pendulette his one diet was like you can only eat one thing and that's like his his nutritionist said just eat one thing literally one thing and his diet was just potatoes oh uh, is that his choice that he, he picked potatoes you get to pick whatever you want and all you can eat is potatoes 
those and that he had enough energy because he could eat one thing but because he is only eating one thing he doesn't want to eat so much food and so he lost hella weight yeah okay i get that because only on the third day i'm eating less because i'm sick of the food i'm eating exactly right that's the same idea except (laughs) his was like an extreme because i think he he needed to lose weight fast and it's like so for you if you can only eat one thing let's say for like whatever a year what would you pick I think I've said this before. I'd pick donuts because it's like okay. So that is it like any donut then? Like how how what how do you limit that? Is this like oh if it's any donut it counts? I guess that doesn't work out right because if you say bacon maple donut, it's not that does that's that's not in the diet right? Yeah, uh, that's not the same as just like a plain glaze. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a choice then. I, I, whatever okay. diet I am gonna be on, donuts needs to be part of it. <laughs> I'd pick pizza. I think that's the one I would pick. Well, okay, that's a whole lot of different ingredients. Okay. Yeah, then the toppings would be like candy that's, and, and like steak. This <laughs> is like, like every meal. Will Ferrell from Elf. Like, you know what I mean? Like pasta. <laughs> Uh, just so I can have every meal, I'll just say, oh, this is a topping on pizza. This is a topping on pizza. Okay. <laughs> just Whatever you eat, just make sure there's a pizza under it, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. This, this burrito is just a topping on this pizza. <laughs> Uh, All right, well, I'll uh, keep you guys updated on my diet journey. Maybe in a month I'll let you know uh, if I lost anything or if I can even last a month. (laughs) On the topic of like health and all that, uh, have you been watching the Olympics has been going on? I've tuned in to every now and then. Like I leave it on at work, so it's like in the background. But um, I've only really, really paid attention to things like I'm into, like like the basketball and stuff like that. Oh, I've been enjoying the things I don't see a lot of, which is like the weightlifting and table tennis. Those are my two ones that I've been watching. Oh, table tennis. Uh, Like okay, well, how is weightlifting? Weightlifting is pretty crazy. It's like the clean and jerk where you're lifting up this barbell of your body and lifting it up, right? And oh. I usually do it the other way. I jerk then clean. Okay. Uh, but I've been I'm watching these and I'm looking at the numbers on the weights they're lifting and I'm thinking uh-huh. in my head I could do that like I could do that okay. right now mm-hmm. looking at the numbers come on right I can see the numbers straight these on the side o- of the plate Olympic athletes and you're a podcaster <laughs> right I'm looking at it and I'm thinking wait what why why are they lifting so little and I realize it's in kilograms not pounds oh my god <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> It's like, okay, that makes sense. It's like 450 pounds over their body. (laughs) (laughs) How much is that in kilos? It was like, well, I was just looking at like the sides of the actual um, weights. They're like 25 on the side. So that's like 45 pounds. I'm like, oh, okay. It makes Uh, sense now. Okay. But what yeah. about table tennis? Are I'm they loving table tennis. Using metrics? <laughs> Are they measuring in metric too? I, I don't know. There's nothing to weigh, but the the intensity they have with this. I know it's their life. It's their profession. It's their whole career is table tennis. But it still looks ridiculous. Like you're hitting <laughs> this across a small table. Like they they have this such intensity looking at this small little bit of plastic before they serve, right? They're just looking at it. Mm. And then it's like, don't talk to me right now. I'm going to hit this thing with such ferocity. <laughs> and it's like, bing, bing, bing. <laughs> you know? I love it. It's so good. It's like balls of fury. Yeah, yeah. It's such intensity. Um, 
I'm loving. I'm loving the Olympics. It's like stuff I don't look at at all, like fencing. Like, all right, cool. There's a. I saw an event. Not to go too long in the intro, but like I saw an event that I couldn't believe was an event, and what? it's essentially just airsoft like marksmanship. Right. It's like this is a, this is a, something you do in your backyard, not yeah, <laughs> win a gold medal for. They have like such concentration before that too. Like they're gonna. It's. I think. Do they want to avoid the whole gun thing, or is like airsoft really an Olympic sport? Has it been I, one I, since I, the ancient Greeks? You know, like <laughs> I remember the yeah back in Athens, right? <laughs> right. They just had like a little straw that they're shooting BBs out. <laughs> And uh, watching it too, like you could easily do this in like a tank top and shorts or something, but they're wearing like, looks like anime general garb. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. (laughs) It's like full metal alchemy looking costume. (laughs) I didn't know that bit. Okay. Uh, well, look it up online if you haven't seen it yet. Um, I, I, I'm still shocked that it's an Olympic event. I'm learning that now. That's pretty awesome. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm loving the Olympics right now. Just watching random right. YouTube videos on it. Well, that's your Olympic update. Daniel, why don't you explain how the rest of the show works? Here at the podcast, we split it up into three. First up, we'll go into the comic book news that came in this week. Our first bit's a little bit spicy on that one. And then in the middle, we'll talk about a cool comic book. We're doing one on a Superman comic book featuring Bloodsport and and then at the end, we'll talk about uh, our side stories where we're going through what we've been reading, watching, whatever entertainment this week. All right, without further ado, let's get into the comic book news. So we talk about streaming a lot on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's the world we live in now, streaming world. And because of COVID, you know, a lot of movies either got delayed or, or got pushed to a streaming service. And one that was waiting a very long time. And we thought it would really, at least I thought it would just wait until theaters were back up and running in full was Black Widow. Yes, yeah. Because it's like an MCU movie, expecting it to make mm-hmm. big bucks, right? Yes. And it's finally... You know, Scarlett Johansson, who's been in the MCU for a while, finally her feature film, right, for the for the MCU. But as we know by now, it was released in theaters, but simultaneously released on Disney Plus. Right, with that extra charge, premiere access, whatever. So you'd have to pay for that. But did it bring in the money that it expected to? Well, according to ScarJo, no, it didn't. <laughs> and broken by the Wall Street Journal, uh, Scarlett Johansson is now suing Disney over like lost wages, essentially. Essentially, because they released it on streaming and not uh, like uh, exclusively in theaters. Right, because her contract it stipulated that you know part of her salary, her payment is through the box office. How much did people go to theaters and watch it? For, so you know half of the people watching on Disney Plus and not the theaters that cuts it into her payment, right? Her actual payout at the end of the day. Yeah, I didn't know that that's the way their contracts were structured. Um, but yeah, I would assume that she lost. A whole lot of money because uh, most people didn't go to the theater to watch it. Yeah, they uh, well, there's no, of course, no firm numbers on it, but they're expecting it to be around 50 million that Scarlett Johansson yeah. is missing out on. Yeah, uh, that's worth suing over, I think. 50 million dollars yeah. <laughs> making a fuss, I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> You know what's weird too is I think um, like her representatives reached out 
to Disney before saying like, hey, if you're going to release this on streaming too, we need to like renegotiate the contract, right? And I think they essentially just like shut them out. Yeah, they were like quiet on the topic. They were not responsive as far as this request. That was my mm-hmm. thinking all along. Like if Scarlet heard that, okay, we're going to streaming, we should change up the contract, right? I should get out my payout too. Right. But um, I mean, I think Disney is losing out money on this movie a bit, whether it's on streaming or in the theater. So they didn't want to give more of the percentage to Scarlet, right? And they just said, oh, we didn't get that request. Now, do you think this is a female actress thing? If it was, if this was a Thor movie, would they have done it differently? You think they would have paid a Chris Hemsworth uh, part of the streaming? Or you think it, it doesn't matter? Disney's just after the most money possible. Well, I don't think it's necessarily uh, the fact that she's a woman. I think it's the fact okay. that their character is dead. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> that. I think that's the thing. They don't care about you after you're not going to be in another movie coming up. I think uh, Thor right. would get like maybe some attention. Um, I see. You're but right. You're right. That's the thing. If if you're going to be dead and we're not going to use you again in another movie, then I don't think you're, we don't care that much, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I guess they're saying like, you can't sue us. You're dead. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's not in the script. <laughs> to to kind of like add a little bit of insult to injury too is after the first week Disney released how much money they made from Disney Plus off of this movie and it was around sixty million dollars so like that money should have went to the box office and she should have got a portion of that I'd say a portion of the Disney Plus yeah but they're a big corporation a big company they don't have to they're not gonna give you part of it um so what do you think is gonna be the outcome I think do you think she's gonna win this uh, lawsuit is she gonna win a whole 50 million or just her percentage of the I, 60 made i don't think she'll win all 50 i I'm, I'm have no legal background but me neither uh i think she'll win because the way they state it is that it was totally part of the contract that they would have an exclusive theatrical release and obviously it didn't so I assume she'll be awarded some amount of money, whether it's 50 million, I don't know. But I, what I do know is this kind of started a ripple effect in uh, Hollywood where other actors are either suing or are considering suing also. Like I heard Gerard oh. Butler is suing over, uh, I forgot what movie got released uh, by him, but uh, he says, he's, I think he's suing for like 10 million. 10 million. Wow. What is it? Olympus has another movie? What's, what's the next? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it was like the most recent Olympus movie. Really? Yeah, I forgot what it was. Yeah, but he's like, I should have got at least ten more million because it should have been in the theater. Well, I mean, no one was going to the theater, so would have you gotten that ten million? I don't know. True, true. I mean, it depends on the uh, what was laid out in the contract. Um, Mm -hmm. This one, Scarlett's contract literally said it's gonna be a theater specific movie, right? Not gonna go to stream. So that that's a stipulation. It's not what's promised. It's like I, I. you know what I'm saying? Um, so I don't know about everyone else's contracts, but Scarlet's, I think she should win. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, this movie should have came out last year. That means the contract that they signed was at least a year before that. So this deal was made way before, you know, the pandemic happened. So, uh, I wonder if that will like take into effect in like the legal action. It was like, well, it was like a act of God kind of thing that they had to switch gears. But I'm not, I'm not sure how that works. Oh yeah, that could that could be a some legal footwork there. I I don't know. Um, but it is a breach of contract from where I'm looking. I from my zero years of law study. <laughs> 
Um, if she wins this, I think it happens a lot more. And I think uh, the studios will rethink putting it to streaming the same day. Because uh-huh. I think uh, I read also a rumor that uh, Emma Stone is considering suing Disney over Cruella. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I wonder if these actors for a while were just thinking, that's just the world we're living in right now. So I'm going to lose out and continue. But with this big you know, thing in the news, this lawsuit, it could change up everyone's perspective on that. I wonder if it's going to change yeah. the contracts past the pandemic even right yeah it could it might have already done that yeah um it's a weird territory we're going in now which i think studios do want to just go straight to streaming more often than not so that might change how everybody views movies like if there's like a a contract where like it has to go straight to theater they might not do it you know what i mean because then the studio wants to put it on streaming and make more money that way like 60 million dollars where they didn't have to uh do anything they just put it on their streaming service like that's a lot of money yeah yeah, yeah. It's kind of a, a weird thing too that this is like a relative to the MCU. There's not too much been drama behind that whole sphere yeah. of things. And it seems like uh, Foggy is on Scarlett Johansson's side with this because he doesn't want right. to upset talent moving forward mm-hmm. or in the past, I guess. Right. You know, It's a little difficult for them too because theirs is a chronological ongoing story. Even though Black Widow is like a prequel, like it kind of had to go in order. Like you can't push that and release some other stuff and then release Black Widow later. Like it had to be in a certain order at all their movies do right so movies like james bond they can just keep pushing that till they feel like they're gonna make their money back but black widow it's like if you keep delaying that you're delaying all their marvel movies yeah that's true i'm wondering if uh i wonder if that's why they didn't want to push it through because all the other people are holding up there's a line here you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> come on buddy you <laughs> get your stuff together so I, I definitely think more and more studios are gonna go straight to streaming much like hbo max is doing with their dc stuff uh we know they're working on Batgirl and that's going to go straight to HBO Max and we know last week we were talking about how I think her name is Leslie Grace has been cast as Barbara Gordon right correct Leslie Grace I think she was in In the Heights and that was it so far Uh, they also want to cast her father Commissioner Gordon and apparently according to the Hollywood Reporter they're looking at J.K. Simmons to reprise the role wow okay so J.K. Simmons is playing uh, Commissioner Gordon so that spells a few things that this could be related right. to Zack Snyder's verse and Ben Affleck's Batman, right? Yeah. The the DCEU. So, mm-hmm, exactly. So this is definitely not connected to a Matt Reeves Batman, but it is, I don't know, like, it's they're just like muddying the waters more and more, I think. I think so too. Um, do they just not care now and they just want to make movies and maybe just plop actors in where they see fit? Or is this just uh, J.K. Sims' obsession to playing the same character in in two different movies right if jk simmons plays a character no one else can do it after that <laughs> right it's <laughs> he's got a he's got an eye out on jeffrey wright he's like i'm looking at you buddy he's gonna butt him out <laughs> do you think there is like a big overall plan that they're just not revealing and maybe we don't see as a viewer how they're gonna connect literally everything together <sighs> I honestly, that thought crossed my mind and they want that to be the case because that's fun, but I don't think yeah. that's the, the scenario. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? I just think they're not thinking that far ahead and they just want to make movies because we're going to watch them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this only kind of, for me, opens the door more for like a female kind of like, I don't know, Gotham sirens type thing where it's like Harley Quinn and Batgirl and Catwoman or something like that. Because now that if, if J.K. Simmons 
plays Gordon that's connected to the Snyderverse, which is connected to Suicide Squad, which has Harley Quinn in it and connects to Birds of Prey. So it's one long connection that they could kind of like close the gap and put Batgirl in a, a Birds of Prey type movie. Right, right. Um, Harley Quinn was already done. Same script writer, Christina Hodson, mm-hmm. did uh, the Harley Quinn movie um, and The Flash. So that, again, connects it to Ben Affleck's Batman, right? Because he's appearing in that. So that's all connected. Yeah. But a Birds of Prey, the a second Birds of Prey, I guess you would call it, right? Yeah, I, I don't know what you would call it. Um, we'd have to cast Poison Ivy. Is she a big part of Birds of Prey? She is, right? That'd be cool. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. So I, honestly, I would like to see that, like a whole female cast superhero whatever team or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think the Harley train is not slowing down anytime soon. It sounds like with the Suicide Squad movie, the new one, they kind of wanted her to be in it again, even though uh, James Gunn did not initially you know, say mm-hmm. Harley's going to be in the movie, but the studio wanted her in, which makes sense. I would do the same thing if I was a studio. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just a moneymaker. So another Birds of Prey, I think, could work out if this Batgirl movie turns out any good. Still not sure about the director and honestly the actor. I don't, I don't know that much about Leslie Grace. Yeah, just make it a musical and play to her strengths and I'll probably like it more than if you try to do like a straight action movie or something yeah i'm just curious about jk simmons singing voice maybe that's what the world needs right now (laughs) it's not his tempo so we'll have to figure that out oh boy lastly on the news now uh stay in the regular comic book news um we know that netflix had a deal with mark miller right right that's correct uh that's how they're getting um like jupiter's legacy stuff on netflix and was it called super crooks super criminals super crooks sounds right yeah something like that uh so they have like an exclusive deal with mark miller uh amazon now through comiXology has made uh like an exclusive kind of deal with scott snyder writer of like a bunch of dc comics right right of course a pretty good run on batman um he did uh, the witches comic book we did on this podcast yeah yeah uh, i enjoy his work i'd say yeah all that whole like dark knight's metal thing was kind of like his his brainchild or whatever his baby yeah I don't know if that was for me, though, but power <laughs> on, rock on. Yeah, it's different. Uh, but now he has a deal with Comixology and his like kind of like publication called Best Jacket Press, where his books that are coming out from that press will launch under Comixology Originals. Right. The like creator own specific section of Comixology and starting from Comixology. So... Um, it sounds like Scott Snyder's real reason for doing this was making sure the creators get their payout, their share of the profits when things possibly move into maybe a TV show or movie, right? Right, right. Yeah, because it's almost inevitable for comics now. Nowadays, um, yes. But now, like when when things get adapted to film or, or TV, the people that own the rights are like the publication. So they get the rights to it. They uh, get the money from the people making the movie or show, right? And the comic creators don't really get anything. They don't own their creations. Through this deal, Snyder and whoever artist he's working with, they retain the rights. So when those 
things get made, they're going to get paid out. Right. They're going to get their share. It's not just uh, end credits shout outs or a title created by right. uh, whoever made the comic. It's actual money going towards their account, not just uh, not just a shout out. Mm. So he, he's going to be writing a bunch of comics. And then he's going to have a bunch of different artists working on those books. And I know like some of them will be released on Comicsology Originals at first. And then when they go to physical form later, they'll be uh, physically produced by Dark Horse Books. So uh, the physical ones will be by Dark Horse. And then digitally, at first, you could read them on Comixology. Okay, that's good news. I wasn't sure if they're going to go physical ever. I'm happy to see it is going to go out in some format. Um, let's go down some of the comics that we see here. We have we have Demons, a horror comic with Snyder and Greg Capullo, which uh, sounds kind of promising. Some other titles we have are Brainstormers, Book of Evil, Clear. So uh, I think he has like eight different comics coming out out of this. Uh, yes, yeah. I, I was in an interview I was reading. He said um, he had all these ideas, and then COVID, because being stuck in a pandemic, really just gave him the time to like develop all these ideas. And now he's coming out with like a way of comics interesting okay uh well I, i'm happy that he's being proactive about it right taking mm -hmm. a step forward using his name i guess after doing like you said dark knight metals because yeah. a lot of the times it's a big working organization and they just need to put stuff out while the creators are maybe struggling financially because they put the work in front of everything right they, they're not thinking right. as a businessman scott snyder's mm -hmm. like i'm a businessman you know <laughs> Um, a lot of the books that he's coming out with, just, just reading from the title because I don't know the premise yet, but they look like horror books. I think so. I think Capullo and him are mainly like their original stuff is is horror things. And I don't know if that's like my favorite stuff out of them. It's I like when they deconstruct like heroes, I guess. Batman mainly, of course. Um, but more part two, if you're using your, your name in, in the industry to, to build up other artists, other creators too, right? Right. Yeah, because it's not just him. The artists that work on these books, they're getting some of the rights to the, the creations too. So uh, I really like this. I'm going to check them out. Uh, maybe we pick one of these horror books uh, this coming October. Yeah, that could be fun. Uh, I just love seeing, uh, what's it called again? Best Jacket Press seeing like a new thing in the in the competition right new competitors right. entered the arena i love seeing that <laughs> cool yeah definitely check him out on comiXology if you have a subscription um and if you haven't already also please subscribe to the reader copy podcast we're on all major podcast platforms just look us up reader copy and uh give us a follow if you can absolutely and let us know what you think about all the spicy stuff in the comic news on all our social medias you can find us on instagram facebook and twitter we're at the reader copy podcast all right uh we're doing a bloodshot comic in kind of like preparation for the suicide squad movie coming out so let's get into it this is a superman comic starring bloodshot uh, it's, it's blood sport oh blood sport <laughs> bloodshot starring vin diesel okay let's watch that instead This Friday, the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie is going to be released, and I've already heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah, it sounds like it's real fun of a movie, maybe um, mm -hmm. some heart-touching moments here and there. And um, I know when they first announced the cast, like a while back, um, they said that you know Idris Elba is going to be in it, and everyone thought that he was replacing Will Smith as Deadshot, which I thought so too. Right, just actual recasting Deadshot, because mm -hmm. I mean, the first Suicide Squad movie was not a hit 
<laughs> I don't think so. And um, honestly, I think originally, I bet he was just replacing him. But then I think they realized, like, well, in case Will Smith wants to come back eventually, let's just make him a different character. So uh, everyone thought, like, oh, maybe he's playing this character called Vigilante. Huh. Um, I remember that. And I don't really know that character, but I think it's similar gun guy. <laughs> okay. Right. And then finally, the trailers came out, and it's revealed that he's actually playing a character named Bloodsport. Right. And that's just, uh, you just mix two words together, and you make a, a comic book character. Bloodsport, right? That's what it feels like, anyways. <laughs> exactly. Not Deadshot, not Deathstroke, not Deadpool, not, there's even, like, Sportsmaster. <laughs> <laughs> how how powerful could Sportsmaster be, right? I mean, uh, who knows? <laughs> But he's playing a character named Bloodsport, which I already messed up <laughs> earlier. So yeah. I called him Bloodshot. Like, it's almost like you're not wrong. Oh, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I really have to like be careful what I call him. Um, but yeah, that's who he's playing. And I, when they showed the trailer, I was like, who the hell is Bloodsport? I know nothing about him. Nobody right? knows. So I wanted to do the comic that kind of like highlighted him and kind of like introduced him. And his first appearance is the book we're doing today, which is actually a Superman book. It's volume two of Superman issue number four. Okay, cool. Superman book. I don't know if we've done a whole Superman story before. Um, This book is drawn and written by John Byrne. And John Byrne is like a legend in the game. This guy has done great things. I think so too. Yeah. John Byrne, he's a a name you know in the comic books industry. Uh, Is Superman like the top thing he's done? Like the main thing people know him by? I know he's done a lot, but I mean. Um, Well, as a fan of X-Men, I know more for like X-Men stuff. Of course, yeah. But like he... Yeah, he definitely spearheaded like what Superman is today. Um, he first worked on like X Men and Fantastic Four and stuff like that. Later, he moved on to like creator own stuff. Let me know if you know these books. Uh, he co-owned uh, Next Men. Do you know Next Men? Is that like an X Men analog copy? I, I think so. Might maybe. Yeah, I don't know exactly I mean, what it is, but I've seen the books off. out there. What about Danger Unlimited? I've heard of that title before. I've heard of it, yeah. Is that a Vertigo comic? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know too much about these books. I know they're in like the dollar bin. <laughs> hey, sometimes, you know, the, the best stuff is not the most expensive. Right. Um, he also scripted the first issue of Hellboy. Really? Mike McDonald's stuff? Yeah. Oh. Huh. Yeah, he scripted that, the first issue. And then he's done a lot of work with IDW for their Star Trek comics. Oh. Which, uh, not my bag, but I know a lot of people like those. I've tried so long to just get into Star Trek at all. Um, I don't know if I'll ever. I, I kind of want to, though. <laughs> Yeah, even the movies, like I try to watch them and like, uh, they're, I get them, they're action, but like, I can't, it doesn't grab me like a Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, 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 it's almost like work a bit. I know people love it and I feel like I could if I just get into it enough, but it's not drawing me in. <laughs> um, like I said, I, I like X-Men and I like his stuff on X-Men. Um, he co-created a couple of these characters. Let me know if you know these characters. Uh, Kitty Pride. Yes, I know Kitty Pride. yeah. <laughs> Emma Frost, Shadow King, Bishop, Rachel Summers, Scott Lang, Omega Red, Sabretooth. This guy created those guys. Oh, wow. He made Scott Lang, the Ant-Man Scott Lang? Yeah, oh, I guess okay. he co-created them, yeah. Pretty cool. I didn't know that. 
Um, John Byrne has won a bunch of awards, but in 2015, him and Chris Claremont both got inducted into the Eisner Awards Hall of Fame. That's how big this guy is. That's awesome. Wow. Okay. We need to take a look at that list and do some of the comics from the the creators on that list. I need to look into that. Yeah. Yeah, we should. That'd be a good idea. Yeah. Um, we all know in the 80s, um, DC did this thing called Crisis on Infinite Earths. We all know this, right? Yes. Rewrote history and combined worlds. We lived through it, I right? this kind of sparked. Yeah, I, I survived. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> I don't know about the other me's, but I survived. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this whole idea of this was to kind of like reboot DC Comics, right? Give everybody like a more linear story afterwards, right? Yeah. And DC hired John Byrne to do this for Superman. And uh, the second volume of Superman, it's kind of like his run on it. And I think this is more or less what I feel like Superman is today. Like he really like kind of like brought him down and not being like this like unbeatable God kind of character. Okay. Uh, He got rid of some some pretty important things in Superman. He got rid of the Fortress of Solitude. Really? And he got rid of he got rid of Crypto the dog. Ah, cryptocurrency the dog. Why? <laughs> it's too. He was fluctuating too much. Just couldn't couldn't no consistency with the dog. And then uh, prior to this, I think the Kents, John and Martha Kent, had already died. He brought them back to life and made them like alive during Superman's like adult years. Okay, that's good. I think they they add to his character, right? Something to fight for. Exactly. Yeah, that's why I like that. Um, uh, the first issue of that run, like issue number one of volume two of Superman that he started, had the very first variant cover. Really? He started the speculator yeah, boom? That's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We can all blame it on him. They have to buy multiple issues of the same book. Thanks, John Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> And um, the issue we're doing, issue number four, is the first appearance of Robert Dubois, a.k.a. Bloodsport. Awesome. Okay. First appearance of Idris Elba. All right. In the comic books. (laughs) Not playing Black Superman. (laughs) He's the only actor in all three superhero uh, franchises. DC, Marvel, Fast and the Furious. Fast and the Furious. I believe him more in the Fast and the Furious ones. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, the book starts off, it's like days before Christmas in Metropolis. Think like snowy streets, everyone's wearing thick layers, it's a bustling city uh, right before Christmas. So it's like everyone's like busy, right? That's what I think of when I think of like uh, Home Alone or something like that. Right, absolutely. It's it's early 90s, uh, maybe late 80s era, maybe kind of that Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, Christmas movie. It feels like that a bit. What was that? <laughs> can't remember. Uh, Jingle All the Way. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good movie. I think it's underrated. It's underrated. It's pretty good. We're in like a diner and we're here with Jimmy Olsen and his girlfriend, Lucy. Uh, I believe Lucy is Lois Lane's sister. Yeah, Lucy Lane. Um, I I think they're a couple right now and they're they're on a date. And um, they both seem to be working in the uh, newspaper industry, right? Jimmy Olsen is uh, a writer, right? Yeah. um, She works for this thing called uh, International Airlines, Uh which I think they're doing something kind of shady. 
and he's trying to get her to like pretty much snitch on them so he could write a story right okay try to learn she's, she's pretty much she's really like jimmy come on like i just got this job like i'm not gonna like whistleblow uh after getting this job that i actually like so they're just uh chopping up in the middle of this restaurant a lot of people in there when out of nowhere bullets go shooting through the restaurant it's just no warning uh, everyone's like jumping around bullets are flying jimmy has to jump uh to cover lucy and protect her and we see uh it is this new character Bloodsport, and he is just like no mercy at all he's just like literally killing everyone in the in the diner um if you get a look at blood sport he's got like camo pants on like a blank tank top and then he's got this red bandana tied around his face like a mask kind of like iron fist in a way oh yeah i was gonna say like a ninja turtle okay that's the same thing kind of thing and he has two gigantic guns in each arm shooting up yeah you know how he's cool he has the belt of bullets across his chest that's how you know you're 80 the action action person absolutely like the uh, high-tech bandolier is that what it's called yeah <laughs> Um, after he lays waste to everyone in diner, he jumps in this like motorcycle that's like militaryed out. Like he has like rockets on the side. <laughs> And he drives away, and before he drives away, he shoots like one more big explosion into the diner. This whole time, he's yelling out, um, "You fools! You animals! This is what you do!" Just uh, all this after what I've done in Nam. So sounds like he's like a war veteran, right? Kind of preaching. Yeah, and he's saying like, "Me and Mickey, we didn't lose our limbs and our lives just to have you guys kind of waste it." Because like everyone there is, yeah, they're celebrating, like getting ready for Christmas. They're buying things. They're overindulging, right? And he just sees it as. As them like wasting their lives right so he, he kills a lot of them um jimmy what he does is he has this special watch that if he activates it it'll summon superman and this is a kind of jimmy olsen's role at the time there's this comic book called superman's pal jimmy olsen and he's really like this guy that calls upon superman when things go down and he's just like the guy in the, in the ground you know so Superman arrives. Um, it's like a crime scene now. There's cops there. Uh, he's talking to the captain. This is Captain Sawyer. She's kind of in charge of major crimes at this time. And Superman's like, okay, I want to go inside and see what happened. And she's like, all right, I'm warning you that it doesn't look good. But Superman goes ahead and looks inside and it is a massacre. It's terrible. Like people is just like dead across the whole diner. This uh, Captain Maggie Sawyer has been like really like uh, upfront about it. And he's like, she's like estimated 25 dead as she takes a, a smoke. And she's even looking at her cigarette like a, like a detective, like really like, like NCIS type <laughs> character. She's saying like the person got away and it almost seemed like he like just vanished. Like he drove off in his motorcycle, but kind of like just like disappeared. And Superman's saying like, maybe to you he disappeared, but I can see like through the infrared of my eyes, I can see like the heat vision that he left a trail and I'm going to go follow him. This is one of the things I love about Superman. They kind of just add superpowers here and there that works for the story. <laughs> He could see with heat in the past. He has heat vision. Yeah. Meaning he could also see heat. That, <laughs> what? <laughs> Love it. Um, he flies off and says, like, I'm going to go catch this guy. Jimmy jumps in his car and is like, I got to go uh, be there too because I, I want to be like the first one to report on this, right? But as he's getting in his car, remember, like a snowy day, his car seems like it won't start. And he's just like frustrated with his car. 
And he's like, forget it. I know where he's going. I'll just follow Superman. And he hails a taxi and he goes there. Right. It's all the way at the local bowling alley. You see the scene and Bloodsport has already laid waste. There's people on the ground, people ducking and covering as he's shooting up the roof, holding people hostage. He's got one lady like grabbed her and it, while he's like shooting around everywhere else. Finally, Superman arrives at the bowling alley and he's there to like apprehend Bloodsport. Superman's threatening him with like a, a bowling ball, like ready to toss it straight up Bloodsport. But Bloodsport says, oh, well, are you really that fast? As he holds the gun straight at this woman's head. I really like this whole next page because it is kind of like a standoff now uh we see superman like at one end of the bowling lane like where the pins are and then Bloodsport like holding this lady with a gun to her head at the the start of the bowling lane right and it is just like a test of like guts and speed and Bloodsport pulls the trigger and before the hammer of the gun can like hit the bullet superman has already like ran the distance of the bowling lane and like pulled the gun away so like that's how fast he is he's that quick uh, as he steals the gun and pegs Bloodsport straight in the face and he goes flying back. Superman tosses the gun away and he's saying like, all right, you're caught. There's nothing you can do now. It's time for you to just give up. But Bloodsport doesn't want to give up. In, in fact, this is almost like a trap that he has set because he has Superman right where he wants him. He says, well, oh yeah, we'll eat this as he lifts his hand and magically almost a gun appears in his hand like a pistol. And he shoots straight at Superman in the shoulder. Now, normally a bullet would not affect Superman at all. It would just bounce right off of him. But this is not a normal bullet. It's holding kryptonite needles as we see the green laser like needle shoot out straight into Superman's shoulder. And he actually feels it. Superman like kind of crumbles to the ground, kind of hurt. He's on one knee now and Bloodsport is standing in front of him and he's like reloading the gun. And he's like, okay, it's like time for you to die. And he's going to shoot Superman in the head now, which would obviously kill him if it was a kryptonite bullet. But out of nowhere, Jimmy shows up with a gun Bloodsport toss and is threatening Bloodsport. Well, you're not going to take on my pal, okay? <laughs> this reminds me of the scene in Avengers where um, Coulson appears in front of Loki yeah. like, to save Thor. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like that. <laughs> like, a, like a small regular guy, but he's got a gigantic gun, right? Same exact thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love like the it's literally like a cannon. I love the the guns in these old comics because it's almost like retro futuristic, right? It's like w- yeah. what the past thought was going to be the future with technology. Love it. It's always just like just put more tubes and stuff on it. Yeah, yeah. Whatever doesn't make sense, make that. <laughs> Blood, blood sport is like uh you're you're too small to use that gun like you probably wouldn't even know how to use it and jimmy's like well i'm pretty close so i don't even have to aim i'm sure this gun is gonna hit you from this distance but really blood sport is just buying time he tosses his gun and grabs a small smoke pellet from his behind tosses it to the ground and smoke fills the room and bloodshot is able to make the getaway he gets away and we just see the hand of superman reaching up and he's like jimmy (laughs) help me i've never felt pain before i don't know what this is (laughs) it's a new feeling (laughs) jimmy has to now take superman to a hospital and we see now he's been operated on by this doctor this doctor's name is dr sanchez and he's saying like you know we tried what we could and we tried to remove as much of the kryptonite shards as we could and he's gonna live (laughs) (laughs) he's gonna be fine in fact he was healing so fast that he had to expose him to a little bit more kryptonite just to suture his wound because he was healing too fast i love that (laughs) he's healing too fast 
Um, and then he says, like, uh, he did lose a lot of blood, right? And there's no, we don't have, like, Kryptonian blood on hand to <laughs> give him. Sure. So he needs to, like, just rest up a little bit, right? I don't. I wouldn't recommend him going out right now. Um, but when Jimmy enters the room, Superman's already, like, putting on his costume. He's like, no, I got to go. Yeah. Uh, Clark is saying, you know, there's... I got to do this. There's there's only one Superman. I have to figure out what Bloodsport is up to next as he puts on all his clothes. And of course, he realizes the kryptonite is what did me in. And there's only really one person that knows about my weakness, that knows about kryptonite. And it's, of course, Lex Luthor. Cut now to Lex Luthor. And he's yelling at, um, I'm guessing he's like right-hand man. This guy's name is Kimberly. <laughs> And he's yelling at him because, like, I told you to hire that Robert Dubois guy to take out Superman, not kill, like, everybody in Metropolis. <laughs> They're in this room that, again, it's like what the 90s thought was the future, where everything is shiny stainless steel and gigantic screens on the wall. And the the yeah. the laptops are the entire table, like, the, the keyboards are the entire table. Yeah. I love that. That was in, like, the Spider-Man TV show. It's a lot like that. Yes. Yeah. This is very, like, Cobra a base of yeah. G.I. Joe or something like exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> and this Kimberly guy's like, hey, you knew this guy was kind of like unstable and this is his way of luring out Superman. So in a way, like he's doing what you told him. He's going to kill Superman. And Lex Luthor's like, I don't need like all this blood on my hands. It's going to look bad if they ever find out we hired this guy and, and gave him his weapons. So like, I need you to just take him out. Just cut ties with him. Go send a team to like finish Bloodsport. We catch up with Bloodsport now. And again, he's just making an uproar with his guns shooting up um, the streets of Metropolis. People are already on the ground. Superman finds him. Um, he lands in front of him. And remember, like, he's lost a lot of blood. So even there, he's kind of like woozy. Like, he's just barely standing in front of Bloodsport. But he's like, I have to stop him. Superman's like, all right, uh, this is an even battle now. I know you've got your kryptonite coming, but... I know what to expect. And he's trying to dodge all these bullets coming after him. Bloodsport's having his merry way. He's enjoying this. He's like winning out right now. He even does this thing where like he tosses his gun and like a bigger rocket launcher like appears in place of that gun. Like it just appears out of nowhere, like in his hand. And then he shoots like this giant rocket and it like makes a giant blast right in front of Superman. Now Superman is like all tattered up on the ground like in the rubble of the blast so it really looks like Bloodsport is gonna win this he's got his sights on superman straight in front of him at point blank and then out of nowhere there's a kaboom behind Bloodsport. it came from this gigantic high-tech tank um these look like luther's men yeah he's got a bunch of like his soldiers in like high-tech gear like they look like they're in like um mech small suits almost kind right? of yeah maybe like a prometheus type look to them right and they have like the almost the same weaponry as bloodsport because bloodsport got his guns from luthor right right so they're shooting him now and uh it's kind of like a win-win for luthor because it looks like they're gonna be the hero right yeah he's gonna stop bloodsport stop this crazed criminal on the street yeah bloodsport then turns his sights on the luthor's men and he's blasting them trying to like kill them and superman uses this as a distraction to knock out Bloodsport by literally like just like pushing the ground beneath his feet and like tumbling him over. Just moving the rubble to get the leverage out on Bloodsport. 
but this gives Bloodsport just the angle to shoot up the bottom of the tank and that tank goes kaboom. This whole area is just like devastated now, right? And Superman's like barely able to stand and he's noticing like Bloodsport is like, it's almost like Looney Tunes. Like he's pulling weapons out of nowhere, right? True, yeah. They're just popping in. <laughs> yeah. And he's realizing like, oh, I know what he's doing. He's actually like teleporting these weapons into his hands from somewhere else. Okay. Uh, Superman's got a game plan for this. He uses his infrared heat vision. Remember that? He used it to... Uh, yes, we were talking about that. <laughs> ...energize the area. There's just a flash of light around a blood sport. So when the next weapon like teleports in, it's like so hot that it comes like almost like it's like iodized, like just like all rusted out already. Yeah. So that he can't use it. I think what he did was frazzle the teleporter he knew Bloodsport had on him. So that teleporter technology, it just broke. And whatever he's teleporting in is all crumbled. Yeah, like the weapons in his hands just like fall off into like ash. Yeah. And then Superman literally just like finger flicks him in the face <laughs> and he's knocked out. Just <laughs> a puny human again, right? Superman's like standing above Bloodsport and I was like, okay, it's over. You've done. You, you lost. You can't like teleport your weapons here anymore so you might as well give up uh blood sport he's like don't patronize me right i'm still alive uh and he's like this all this i just want to uh i'm doing this all because of what happened in numb how my can got blown off and all the damage that went in the past so his last dish effort is to put his hand on a kill switch on his bandolier right if he lets go of that kill switch yeah. it goes kaboom and they all go out a whole couple blocks out superman will survive but not everyone else and he's ready to like sacrifice his life right he's ready to just like blow up everybody but from a distance he hears his name being called but it's not robert someone's calling him bobby and he sees that it's his brother michael ah so this person was actually the mickey he was talking about yes and mickey is now approaching him and he is pretty much a paraplegic like both his arms and legs are blown off and he's approaching him in like a motorized wheelchair and he's begging blood sport to just like stop and stop the killing and he's like don't do it we're not in war anymore right the war is over bobby you could stop jimmy olsen was one that called me here he told me about all the wreckage you've been putting on and that's what i'm here for blood sport finally gives up when he sees his brother there and jimmy explains to superman who this is and what's going on and it turns out robert dubois blood sport was never even in nam he never even fought in the war or he is a draft deserter. Oh, so what actually happened was his brother Mickey, of course, was the one that went to war in his stead. Uh, in the, instead for the draft while Robert Bloodsport left the country um, when he came back and saw that Mickey was a paraplegic and what he went through because of what he did he kind of uh, his head kind of broke his, he, he kind of went insane with the guilt yeah he feels like he's the reason his brother lost his limbs and it's because he was af too afraid to go to war and he kind of like broke him mentally and that's why Luther used him to try to kill Zuran because he wasn't all there and uh, that's how the book ends with Bloodsport kind of like just giving up um, the battle there because everyone realizes like it's he's not even a veteran yeah and yeah I thought this is really cool great story for like just one issue I thought it was a full issue um, I would say it definitely has the writing style of the time or it's not super realistic it maybe has some of the chipper attitude that Superman still has a bit here and there but 
I mean, the topic of it, like a draft dodger and what happens to his brother, it's kind of dramatic towards the end. Yeah, total surprise uh, when I was reading it. And it's like a very sad ending, I thought. Um, it was really good. I didn't expect this for like a Superman comic, too, to like start off with like a massacre. Like literally, like they say like 25 people were just like gunned down. Yeah, I guess maybe this is part of, uh, like you said, like John Byrne kind of making him not the ultimate hero and it's everything's easy for him. So you kind of add to the stake yeah. and everything. Um, but right. I, I, I'm curious about John Byrne's work now and kind of reading back towards that thing. So I know the comic fans, this is kind of their time when they first started a bit. I'm sure he's going to get some kind of like special thanks credit in Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. Could be. Because even in the trailer, they're like, why was uh, Bloodsport in, in jail? Or he's like, he shot Superman with a kryptonite bullet, which is like straight out of this comic book. Exactly this issue. I Yeah, I think so. Um, he was kind of like a, a wild card character in this um, kind of one note as far as like being extreme. Do you think Idris is going to kind of elevate the character a bit and maybe elevate the story, him and James Gunn? Uh, yeah, I, I do think so. I think um, they're not going to really use the same exact model of character for the movie. I think um, he might have a similar past or something like that, but not necessarily like this like, you know, deranged killing machine that, that Bloodsport is in the in the book. Yeah, I think so too. I, uh, I'm waiting for like that heartwarming moments between his character and the rat catcher character. I think you see them in the trailer a bit. I think that's probably going to be yeah. the biggest pull of the movie. Um, and I, I think, you know, it's going to be taken more seriously a bit. I don't think they're going to do the whole guns magically appear in his hand thing. <laughs> Did you know about this character before, like, seeing the trailer for Suicide Squad? Did you know anything about Bloodsport? Definitely not. No, not at all. Um, at first, I thought they made him up. I thought they just put two words together and let's pick a character, like, <laughs> genuinely. <laughs> let's have fun with it type of thing. Yeah. I think uh, that's kind of the tug-and-cheek thing from James Gunn. I think that's why I picked it a bit, you know? Uh, yeah. He has, like, a bit of a different look. I think he got revamped since then, too, with, like, a skull mask. And you see that in the trailer. Yeah, there's actually more iterations of this character in the comics. Oh. The, um, there's one that's, like, not even Robert Duwatt. It's, like, another character um, that takes up the name. Um, but I think that guy actually did have, like, magical powers to just conjure up weapons. All right. So that guy did have superpowers. Um, and another cool thing I read about was during the, I think it was, like, Avengers JLA crossover event. Yeah. Oh, yeah? What happened? Uh, Bloodsport, Robert Duwatt, fought Iron Man. <laughs> really? Iron Man? Yeah. That's kind of a big gun there. His whole suit is a weapon. <laughs> yeah. So I might have to check that out and see how that goes. But um, all in all, I think uh, it was a pretty interesting story to take this character and then, like, just kind of, like, surprise twist at the end. Like, he was not even uh, a real veteran and he, like, was too scared to fight. And now he's, like, just crazy killing everybody. Yeah, a false backstory. I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. Um, but it is, like, one of those things where it's, like, a concise story in one issue and ties yeah. the bow. Uh, I think that's kind of, you can expect that from comics of the era. Uh, I, I think it's really cool too that um, John Byrne wrote and drew the book. And I think the artwork in the book is pretty cool. Like it's not over the top, but it's still like comic booky. I think you're right. I was looking at it and like, oh, I kind of like this, even though it's just what you expect with comics, like muscle bound dudes. But it's so good yeah. artwork as far as because it's a lot of flat colors, right? The, uh, the, the colorist right. is not shading anything. I kind of like that feels classic. Um, but still it's cool. It's not 90s yet. Yeah. <laughs> Just before, literally. 
yeah. Okay. So are you excited about the Suicide Squad movie coming out? Or do you think it's going to be a blockbuster and a win for uh, DC? I am. I think um, it's going to be one of the better DC movies, and I'm excited to see it. Um, I, I'm excited to see Idris Elba's take on Bloodsport, but I will say it's going to be hard to beat the original when he was played by Van Damme. So <laughs> I'll see how that goes. I th- it was a mistake. They shouldn't recast. Just to have him. Should <laughs> Uh, it's gonna be weird to see the Suicide Squad in like the secret underground tournament. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good idea. They should do that. It's not bad. The superpower is doing the splits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm excited for the Suicide Squad movie. It's also like James Gunn retribution, right? After all that mess, right? Yeah. So first time we're gonna see something right. from him from a while. Can't wait for that. Yeah, well, that comes out this Friday, guys. Let us know what you think about it. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it next week on our side stories, but we still have side stories for this week, so let's get into it. You know on Netflix when they have like those documentary series? Uh, Yeah, sure. You know, like a, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like um, one of them was like the toys you grew up with. And then oh. one of them was like the movies you saw as a kid, right? And there's just like episode about whatever movie from that time. Specifically like nostalgia documentaries, those? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, there's one that I started watching this week that is like not as old as those things, but like it's called, I think it's called This Is Pop, which is about like pop music mm, okay is it like a they go year by year and talk about pop music or it's it's more just like trends and um it's kind of in chronological order but it's definitely like the trend so it's not really like a specific year to a specific year or anything like that okay was it fun was it actually cool or i some of them are okay but i really just want to highlight one episode that i thought was very interesting and that is the second episode and the thing they talk about in that episode is auto-tune oh t-pain <laughs> and all that kanye what are we talking about t-pain yeah um so what i found interesting about it was how auto-tune was invented Okay, so can we define autotune first? It's like this robotic voice changer they put on voices so it kind of sounds on pitch, right? Exactly. It's essentially software that takes what you're singing and then just moves it to the correct pitch that you tell it to. And it's, some would say, cheating or whatever. Some would say it's, you know, uh, a fad. But, I mean, I think it sounds cool. I think it's cool and I think it's also everywhere. So that, (laughs) you know what I mean? Nowadays with today's music, you can kind of hear it throughout i don't know if it's yeah it is kind of cheating a bit though so it, it was invented i believe in the 80s yeah oh yeah and it, it was invented by someone who is 100 percent not in the music industry what is oh so how did he happen upon it like what does that mean so he it was just like this scientist guy i forget his name but his profession was i think like sonar underground type work science guy or, was he bill nye really <laughs> <laughs> maybe related to him but uh he would like put these explosions and then with his instruments read the sound like feedback mm-hmm. to determine what's underground like how far and what type of material is underground he's doing that by like reading the like reverberations from the explosion okay it's kind of like is that what like a metal detector works like like it shoots like waves down maybe i'm not sure it's, okay. it's kind of like sonar but not in water or something like that or or whatever right okay cool um uh and and he, so he knew a lot about like sound and frequencies and all that stuff, but for science, 
right? And then he had a friend whose wife was a singer, right? And they were having dinner one day and they were talking about his work. And the wife was like, wow, I wish you could just make me some machine that always would just fix my pitch, right? And then he was like, I can. <laughs> he automatically knew how to do that. He's like, oh, I can do that. Yeah, it's easy, right? No problem. So he decides to just like make it. And it was like pretty, I think he figured out how to do it like right away. Like he knew how to do it. He just needed to figure out how to get it into the computer and like program it. So he figured that out and they tried it and it totally works. Like it would just change your pitch automatically. Okay. That's pretty crazy that science guy just knew how to do it right away. Now, did that whatever person that used it first, are they the huge pop star at the time or did they ever become famous off that? Or was it just a... <laughs> So no, and what happened was they they released this product. It's essentially like a plug-in to software, right? Uh, they release it. They sell it. Every studio is now buying it because wow. the way they the way recording studios had to do it before was the singer would just have to make sure he would be on pitch, and then they would like splice and edit all the mistakes out and put in the correct ones, right? Because it's very hard to sing a song perfectly with no pitch errors. Like the best singers in the world struggle to do this, right? Right. It's it's a skill literal skill right yeah so every almost every famous singer has used autotune just to slightly adjust it not to the level of t-pain right yeah but it's like slowly just get to the right pitch every now and then like you'll use it once or twice in a song and essentially this cut down studio time drastically oh or it take like six weeks to record whatever like a song now you could do it in like a day no way really because the software will adjust for you where you need it to whereas back then you had to like sing it perfectly once so that we could just have that for the for the record or whatever right it would very difficult be in the studio moving levers up and down to just try and get a specific moment to the right pitch yeah it take weeks. so they said like they said like all the famous singers that you love have used autotune i it's believe that slightly you know uh and the way they use it is like there's like a kind of like a speed of how quickly the software will change your tune right and what uh, what t-pain did was he just put that to zero <laughs> Oh, <laughs> meaning it changed instantly, <laughs> and it's, it feels like so, this like step sounding thing where it just like yeah. changes and it, uh, uh, right. Yeah, instead of like a gradual get to the pitch, it's like no, just jump back and forth to the pitch, and you're a superstar. You're T-Pain. <laughs> yeah, um, that I mean, that's what he did, and he made hell of money off of it. Um, he's not the first person to use it this way, though. Uh, the most popular one at first to use it was Cher. Do really, you know like. Do you believe? Do you know that song? <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I can't remember the audio tune. Is it throughout the whole song or just one part? It's like through the chorus. So like, oh, okay. to the game is like, oh yeah, that's definitely auto tune. And she did that. And then T Pain did it for like his whole, literally whole whole album <laughs> career. Right? Yeah, and he was kind of like a little bit ostracized by the industry because like, yeah, I know this. You're revealing this huge secret that the industry has. Wow. that we use software to fix people's singing. That's kind of a, a real bummer for T-Pain. I know he even like got flack from it specifically from Usher yeah. because like Usher Exactly. Right. Usher was like you kind of ruined the music industry because it's like that now everyone uses it. 100% true. That is it's in the episode where T-Pain's yeah. talking about it. He 
usher calls him to the back of like their private jet and uh-huh. he's like yeah you ruined it for all of us and this actually led t-pain to like a four-year depression because yeah, he felt yeah. like he thinks that he did ruin it for everybody and then the only thing that kind of like saved it for him and like made it okay because everyone was bagging on it until someone else did it and that someone else was kanye west <laughs> kanye the saver it's weird because like when kanye did it i was like oh, okay it's okay everyone can do it and it's fine but like it's when t-bain was the only one doing it it's like uh you're they hated him for it because like they thought he couldn't sing and he was doing like a softer side he was singing like love songs but like rapping it to it so you right. was like gangster enough for them or whatever but yeah once kanye did it it was like oh everyone do it lil wayne's gonna do it chris brown's gonna do it and and it's kind of like not fair for T-Pain. That's such a, yeah. T-Pain can sing. That's BS. He can sing. I've seen videos of him yes. singing and it's like amazing how, how good he could sing. Um, and then there's like other famous rappers now where they're doing kind of the same thing and living off that. Like Travis Scott is my favorite rapper. He definitely uses autotune. He can't sing for trash, but he knows good music, <laughs> I think. So that's why I like what's what I like him for. Yeah. So I, I'm fine with autotune. Uh, I enjoy it in like, you know, kind of like every now and then. I don't want to hear a whole album of it, maybe. Like I can't listen to okay, a whole sure. T-Pain album, but the hits are hits and I like them. Yeah, me too. It's, it is kind of a cheat sheet too. Uh, cheat mode too because like you'll see these producers leak random clips of people who use autotune all the time but when they show their regular singing it sounds awful yeah. it's so yeah. embarrassing for the singer it's so good <laughs> there's a there's a little clip in the in the show where the guy is like since the invention of autotune I don't need to find singers anymore I just need to find people that look good <laughs> wow is that good or bad I don't know we're still getting are we getting the same quality music or not uh I mean there's still a lot of new music I enjoy so I don't care how it's made just don't show me <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, I could be superstar tomorrow I think okay <laughs> you just gotta buy the autotune okay um, so that was called This Is Pop on Netflix I think it's called This Is Pop on Netflix there's a, a bunch of other trends and stuff for each episode um, the first one was about boy bands and how boys to men kind of like spearheaded that oh. and then when uh, it got a little controversial too because he said like when like Backstreet Boys and Insight came out because they're white they had more they had like an easier path and like boys to men got kind of like pushed aside even though really? in my opinion boys to men is hands down the best boy singing group of all time well when with the stigma of um, boy bands it's really not about their talent it's kind of what they look like right yeah right it's different now yeah you could there's like nine korean guys that all look the same and they <laughs> put a band together okay didn't mean to get that racist <laughs> Uh, you just need one of each. You need a bad boy. Right. <laughs> you need like the the giddy giddy one. The blonde one. And you need, <laughs> you need <laughs> and then you need a wild card, so Okay, okay, this is Paul. We'll take a look at that. Um, so what I watched this week was totally different. I watched a new movie called Pig starring Nick Cage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, I don't know if you've anyone's seen the trailer, but from the look of it, like okay, so the idea is Nick Cage is this kind of grizzly guy living in the woods by himself in this little shack, but he lives only with his pig, his truffle pig, that like goes out into the forest and looks for truffles, right? Like that's what they're trained for. Right. And um, watching from the trailer, you get this idea that it's kind of like a John Wick type movie because his pig gets stolen, so it's kind of like this man out on this journey to find his pet because it's the the pig is it's kind of like a, a man and his dog story where he's looking 
looking for whoever stole his pig, right? Okay. And he's this like really grisly, like homeless looking guy, Nick Cage. Um, and he's going throughout the city trying to find whoever grabbed his pig and stole it. Um, and who, there's another character that goes along with the journey. This guy, Alex Wolf, is the actor. You might have seen him from like Jumanji. Uh, he was in Hereditary as the like older brother. Oh, okay. I was thinking old Jumanji. <laughs> no, not old Jumanji. The, that, that guy, um, he, he plays this like douchebag, like rich, richy rich type guy. Like he wears like a gold watch all the time oh. and really not likable at first. And okay. so like he's very stark different people. And this guy, this dirty guy, Nick Cage, is just trying to find his pig. But what's interesting about him is he has a past before he lived out in the woods. He's in this field uh, where his name is very respected. Like when All people right. bring up his name, they kind of stop what they're doing and they're surprised that they see this guy in front of them. Like his name has so much respect. And it's weird that he's going through the city. It is like John Wick. Yeah. Okay. So there is some similarities. The thing is... It's not a action movie at all. There's no, it's not fighting, right? And with Nick Cage, you expect to get to that point because of the movies he's done recently. He's like this sure. eccentric, yelling at the screen type guy. But Nick Cage does a really good job. He's like really steady and restrained in this role. And it's like, oh, Nick Cage is a good actor. I forgot. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, so you enjoyed it? I enjoyed it. It was a really good movie. It's kind of, you know, like the artsy type uh, movie. So it's not for everyone. It's not an action movie. Um, but like some of the cinematography is really good. Like what's revealed in the story is really good. And just the emotion in it because it's kind of a story about loss. Right? It's like the, it's really sad, but it's not a tear jerky kind of movie. Okay. Hmm. I'm going to make a guess. Okay, go ahead. The way the way he finds his pig is he has to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> yeah. Did you see it already? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Like Nick Cage, he picks roles that are just like really weird. Right? Like kind of, well, I guess that was a yeah. moneymaker. But recently he's making like random movies where he can just yell and punch something. Uh, and scream right i mean even this movie seems kind of weird like just from the premise he's definitely weird but he's not (laughs) super loud about it he's actually like really calm well it's like he's almost really confident with everything even though he's scruffled and grisly and dirty and if you see from the trailer he gets bloody right um okay it's almost like he's like alan moore the comic book writer because he's like (laughs) bearded up and confident himself but he's not in it for the attention so i don't want to reveal too much about the story because there's more points yeah. in it um, but you're going on this adventure with these two guys that are very different but it's cool right uh, alright yeah. I'd suggest where, where did you watch this where did you watch this uh, in the theater in a yeah oh. just the theater yeah watched it it was, okay. it was there was like three people there <laughs> because I don't think <laughs> yeah. this is okay. a big movie I didn't even, yeah I don't really know about it until you talked about it so yeah. I'm surprised you're watching in the theater. I really wanted to see it. I, I guess I saw some good reviews. Um, I would suggest it if you're in for really in for maybe like a more emotional movie, not like a thriller. Cool. All right. Well, Pig definitely fits in my keto diet, so I'll probably check it out. Yeah, there was there was one thing I was like a fun joke I was thinking before in the movie like is this movie gonna make me not want to eat bacon after yeah. this? And no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine eating bacon. <laughs> What it does do is uh, it makes me curious about truffles now. I don't know what they taste like. I don't know if I can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah. All right. Well, try try to get some truffles and then report back to us what you think about them. Apparently, they're expensive, and you need to yeah. to train a pig to get them. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Oh, uh, that's it for me. Pig, weird movie, but a good one. Cool, cool. Uh, guys, if you haven't already, I also you, I want to ask you to please, uh, if you can, leave us a review on your podcast app. Or if you can, especially check out our page on Apple Podcast and leave us a review there. Um, it costs you nothing, but it helps us dramatically get more listeners to the show. So if you can, please leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah, that'd be such a favor for us. Appreciate that, guys. And, you know, find us on all the social medias. At the Reader Copy Podcast is where you can find us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that jazz everywhere. All right, we'll be back next week with another great comic book. Um, we're still on hiatus for the recap show but as soon as marvel's what if series kicks off we'll be back on that every monday so uh, until then we'll see you next week on wednesday daniel do you want to hit him with the outro if you like what we had to say about the book pick it up and read your copy bye guys i went low with that one it was pretty good i like that <laughs> okay all right i'm gonna pitch it up with auto tune <laughs> Error. Error.